Unedited. I'm your host, John Aberly. Today I've got a very special guest, at least a very special guest for me. I have uh, Terry Nunn from the uh, 80s phenomenon group Berlin. And uh, Terry, welcome to the show, and I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. How are you? Not a problem. How are you doing? I'm great. Now, you guys, I'm trying to remember, I know you're at the House of Blues tonight down in Atlantic City. Yes. And uh, you're at the uh, Live World Cafe tomorrow night at 6 p.m., which I will be there with my wife. Were you up at the uh, casino in the Poconos last night? No, last we were at uh, the Beacon Theater in New York City. That's right. I've gone to the Beacon Theater before. I've seen uh, Def Leppard there. That, that, that's a very intimate type of setting. Well, it's not that small, but it's absolutely beautiful. I, I told the crowd there that there are some places in the world, concert venues, that feel like church. You know, they're yeah. sacred. They're sacred spots. And that's one of them, Red Rocks in Colorado. I have that same feeling. The Fox Theater in Detroit. Wow. That's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's, uh, the Beacon is just a monument. It's gorgeous. Well, that leads me to a question I was going to ask you later on in the interview, but I'll bring it up now. What is your favorite place to play? I know, a tough one. I, I know it's a tough one, but I'm trying to drag this one out of you. Favorite place to play? Yeah, some place where you know, it's... The funny yeah. thing is, I didn't think of a place. Anywhere okay. where people want to commune. Because to me, it's a communion. I know it sounds, I sound really churchy, and I'm not a very religious person, so it's not about that. It's just, to me, a concert, whether I'm in the audience or on stage, it's a communion. It's a, it's a, it's a sharing of energy. It's a, you know, just kind of a getting high. Yeah. It's the best drug in the world, and it's, it's like a spiral. It's a circle going from, from the audience to the artist, back to the audience, back to the artist, and it's, it's, it's to me, it's not about the place, because I've been to been in places that just didn't look that great, but the people were amazing. Yeah, the energy yeah. of it. The, yeah, the, my wife, the energy. Yeah, my wife's a big concert goer, a Def Leppard for her, Extreme. Uh, we saw you down in Baltimore a couple years ago. You came with uh, a couple other 80s bands. And when I was watching you, you looked ABC, like... ABC, right. Yeah, ABC. You lo I'm the one who carried you around on, your sh um, on my shoulders. I took you to an oh. ordinary girl and carried you around. Yes, but, thank uh, you so much. Oh, I, I got to ask you about that. Now, you're very small. You're about 5'2". If, if you weigh 100 pounds or 95 pounds, I'll be surprised. A little over. Little, <laughs> you look great, though. Trust me on that one. What, oh, thank you. Oh, no, you do. I, I was um, wondering. I was going to kind of go off on a little tangent now. Uh, your exercise routine, you must be in the gym a few days a week. I know you had uh, a child uh, within the last few years. Is that what you do? You kind of you know, hang at the gym on a continual basis? I run with my husband. We run, you know, two times a week at least. We try to go for three, and then I do the weight thing. I do okay. lift weights. Um, and, I, you know, you, you just have to do that after... After thirty, you know, things just didn't didn't stay. You had to, I had to work it. You know? <laughs> well, it, it, believe me, you still look good. My father's in town from Houston, and while I was prepping for the show this morning, uh, we were looking at some of the pictures of you, and and it's you look great. Yeah, you and my wife getting past forty, forty-five. You're both beautiful women, and, and believe me on that. You, you look oh, great. Oh, thank you very uh, much. Definitely look great. I want to. I get... really like making the, the exercise thing with somebody because it makes it more fun. You know, it's a bonding time with me and my guy, and and it, it just makes it worth doing. You know. <laughs> See, for me, it's a little opposite. I go to the gym. I like oh. the power. I like the power lift, and yeah. uh, I like to be in my own little world. Unless I need mm -hmm. someone to spot me, then I'll call a guy over to spot me. 
Uh, my yeah. wife's the same way. She power walks. So okay. she likes to have her iPod on and just keep on moving. And be alone time? Yeah, yeah well, she needs it. Her job's stressful, so, you know, everyone tries to stay away for an hour or so. <laughs> Let her That's mellow right. out there. Um, uh-huh. you, you got a uh, uh, the CD here, uh, uh, Terry Nunn in Berlin, All the Way In. What's with the DVD? Uh, something different. Uh, goes with all the songs, kind of like a video thing all at the same time. Why put that in there? Yeah, it's a CD and DVD mm-hmm. package, and it was shot over two days at a House of Blues in Los Angeles and Anaheim, and it's a kind of a, a completely comprehensive overview of our career from all the way back to the very first song that was ever released through the hits, okay. and then there are a couple of songs on there that we haven't even released yet. Excellent. So it was a, a live concert. So what I've been following you since Pleasure Victim. In uh, 1982. Oh, thank you. oh, I had um, I was introduced to you by a girlfriend back in the early 80s, and, and the music. There's such a beat to it, you know, a techno type beat, uh, you know, the synthesizers and everything else, and and it's still good today as it was, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Thank you I mean, so it, much. Uh, I still I still love electronic music man. the most. You know, I, I didn't expect to this long because I, I tend to be kind of fickle with my with my taste, especially in music. I'm constantly looking for new stuff. But the electronic music for me is, is so interesting because there's so many different sounds that one can use. It never gets boring. You know, it's not just bass, drums, guitar, and vocals. It's anything you want now. Well, and have, it's, now it's anything you want live, well, that's which it, is so cool. It, it is. It is I, I don't understand why it fell out of favor uh, going into the late 80s, into the early 90s, because there's, uh, you said there's so much you can do with it, the different well, sounds you know, that you can work actually, with. Actually, John, I don't know if it went out of favor, because even rap and true. hip-hop, they're using electronic basses. So That's I true. think it's just morphing into a lot of different directions from, you know, hip-hop, rap, trance, ambient, industrial. You know, there's so many different directions it's gone in, which I love because it inspires me on what I can do with, with my music. Now, the question I've had for almost 30 years, I have to ask right now before we get into the meat of the interview, where did the name Berlin come from? It came from John Crawford, my partner yeah, yeah. in Berlin. He's, he's German. Okay, so there's definitely a German connection then. Oh yeah, okay. John okay. Crawford. Yeah, I wasn't. Crawford. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure if John was a part of the naming of that or not. But now it makes complete sense. Yeah, he was in love with European music because that's really where electronic music started. You know, it was mm-hmm. uh, a German band called Kraftwerk, okay, and an, an English band called Ultrabox were his passions at the time. There was nothing going on like that here, so he wanted to try that with a female singer because they both had male singers. And the, I just, I think, the, I, I just think the idea is genius. Now that I look back on it, because I'm such an emotional singer, and the music is so unemotional. It's very, you know, it's, it's very stark. So the, the the combination was so interesting. And luckily, it was interesting to other people too, because we actually, you know, got to make a living at it. Well, you, again, you know, Pleasure Victims, what opened up the door for you here in the States. Right. And, uh, again, I remember I was like 14 years old, and, and the music just had a beat to it, still has a beat to it, that just kind of carries you, at least for me, in a whole different direction in my mind. Yeah. And, and it really, and again, I only got to see you play for the first time down in Baltimore a couple years ago. And, oh, oh I, Terry, I couldn't, I mean, even if I got a chance to carry around on my shoulders, I really 
really enjoy you've got an extremely powerful voice for such a small person thank you you know i noticed that john most most powerful singers are tiny did you know Mick Jagger's pretty small? Yeah, I know Mick's pretty small. I've, I've, I've had people who've met him. They say he's about five foot six at that. Yeah, at Prince. That. He's tiny. Prince. <laughs> Prince wears the same pant size as I do. Okay, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I wouldn't surprise I know me. that because we did an album there. I did a, my solo album there, and he had a, actually in the studio. He had a wardrobe department in the studio, <laughs> and 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 it, it just turned out one day that this woman. I saw these pants. I said, "Oh, those are great." Who, what girl? Who who owns that? Like his girlfriend? He said, "No." She said, "No, those are princes." <laughs> hey, hey you know, again, he's a. And you're right. Hey, hey, you don't see a lot of big men. In, 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 in singing, as far as that's, performing. That's, that's what makes us loud, yeah. because we're tiny. We have to be heard. You have to be seen. Hey, hey, hey! Yeah, it's true, <laughs> it, and it works. And I said, when you do your show, and again, I'll be there tomorrow night with my wife, and my wife was, was surprised by how powerful your voice was. Uh, again, coming out such mm. a small person, such a petite person, and that's Aww. the best word to describe you. Um, Thank you. Going into some different, you know, going kind of a little forward here, where did you grow up at? I grew up in Southern California. Okay, so you're definitely, you were up there, you went to high school there. Did you go to college out in that area or go right into music? Uh, I went into me, I went to a, a community college for a bit, and mm -hmm. then I actually got a master's degree later from a place in Scottsdale, Arizona, the American College of Naturopathic Science, okay. in uh, human nutrition, because I was having some personal problems with my own health. Okay. In my late teens, I started, and doctors weren't helping me, so I, I just started to learn about alternative, you know, practices and nutrition. And actually that's what saved me was uh, nutrition, supplements, you know, eating right, eating not packaged foods. So I thought, well, you know, I'm, this is so interesting to me, I might as well get a degree in it. So that's, that happened later. Well, we definitely have that in common. I'm fascinated by uh, nutrition. I've got a yeah. vitamin program I designed for myself. I designed for yeah. my wife. So yeah, we, we're very oh, much. Wow. Oh yeah, we're very much about uh, vitamin. Are you people. and I after the show? We're going to have to like get into because I know that won't be interesting to most people. Cause, no. you know who knows. But no. I'd love to hear what you do. No, that's, it, it that's is. I mean, uh, you know, being a weightlifter, and I don't know if you remember, and I'm six four, about two fifty, and yeah. uh, you know, at forty three years old, I like to keep myself in the best shape that I can. Uh, some yeah. of, you know, some of it's ego, some of it's for health reasons. You know, uh -huh. and I don't feel bad about the ego part. I think we all need a little bit of ego there to kind of, you know, push ourselves to, you know, be the best we can. But, yeah, I yeah, would definitely love to. Oh, I got to learn from, especially my cat, man, who spends <laughs> enough time bathing herself and trying to look good. And I think, you know what, that's nice. You know, she's trying to look good. Yeah, you got to try to look good. Terry, what was your first, uh, uh, your first band? Who were you with to begin with? First band in my life? Yeah, first band. I mean, young kid, and I'm trying to figure out when did you really knew that you uh, had the talent to do this. You know, it's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> I haven't thought about this in years because I was only with this band for maybe, I don't know, six, eight months. Okay. But the first band was called L.A. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, you know, you had a, everyone has a beginning. Uh, yeah, this is, I guess I have a city fetish. I don't know. But, but, but they, you know, there was nowhere to go with them because they were more doing covers. And, you know, I, I got my chops just, just doing songs in front of people, which to me was huge. But they weren't really very... Uh, they weren't writers. There was no one there for me to write with, so I moved on pretty quick. But that was my first band, and that's the first time that people saw me and said, "Hey, there's something here. This is this is good. You should keep doing this." Your influences. Who do you? 
who have you turned to and listened to over the years that gives you a, a feeling of creativity? Well, one of the songs that I actually included in the CD-DVD uh, package that's out now is by a woman called Grace Slick. Yeah, I know Grace. Yeah, uh, back in the mid-'80s, dark somebody, black woman, black everything. Earlier. Yeah. She was yeah. even earlier. That's, she was when I was a kid. Okay. Somebody to Love from Jefferson Airplane. Okay. That, that we covered in honor of her because I had never heard anybody like that woman. Uh, you know, she, she blew, she changed my life really wow. because before Grace, there was nobody, I wanted to be the guys because there was nobody I heard that was like fun and loud and raucous and all the power that guys had. They just didn't have that in women. The women were sweet and pretty and they play guitar, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, but that's just kind of not it for me. And then she came along in this band and she's out there with the guys and she's you know yeah she's loud and she's everything they are and I thought oh my god that means I could be too and it was so and her music was so amazing so yeah that that's one of them and then I got into the whole like Pink Floyd <laughs> David Bowie T Rex the whole um, uh, just kind of. David Gilmore and Pink Floyd is my favorite guitar player in the world, oh, okay. hands down. And he ended up playing on our third album. He came in and played on a song that I wrote, which, you know, I basically asked him to marry me after listening to him for a couple of hours. I was just, I've never felt that way, listening to someone play. Anyway, so, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of the early 70s bands that, and the glam rock that was going yeah. on. Yeah, remember that. It. Oh yeah. That. Now you, you 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 meet up with John Crawford, I guess at some point. I want to kind of have us, you know, have you fill us in on that one. And then Berlin is created. Uh, how long did it take for you guys to kind of get that all rolling? Because said the first album comes out in '82, Pleasure Victim. How long mm -hmm. were you together before you released it? There were fits and starts. We I met him in '79, and we started to play. And then there was a guy that was also in the band that was kind of bankrolling everything, but. Nobody was really agreeing where he wanted to go with it, and I was finally the first one to stand up and say, I, I can't do this. This is, I'm not agreeing with this. So I left in, what was it, 80, I think, I think a, a year later, about 80. And then John called me, the band fell apart, and John called me and said, you know, I think you and I really had something. I'd like to try maybe doing some songs together. So we did, and that became Pleasure Victim. And we thought they were demos, but they ended up being the record. Can you feel... And that was 1982 that it came out. Yeah, exactly, 1982. Um, yeah. Can you feel... Again, you have to understand the reason I'm asking these questions. I don't have creativity like what you or other musicians have. It's just not what I have. Can you feel a, a song that you know is going to be a hit, that you just know it has to be out there? I can feel a song that I know is going to be great, but songs have their own lives. There's no way to tell what's going to catch fire. They do their own thing, and there's no way to tell that. That's what makes it a ball game, okay. You know, I mean, because nobody knows what's going to happen. But I know when we when we finished the Metro, mm -hmm. that was the, the song for us that we thought, okay, that's what we want the record to be like, because it had everything that we wanted in one song. It had mystery, it had the, the sound, it had, it was sexy, it was different. It had everything finally co-gelled into one idea that we could say, okay, that's gonna be the cornerstone of this record. We want everything else to be a part like that. Excellent, we're talking to Terry Nunn. She is 
the co-founder and now the complete leader of the group Berlin. We'll be back in a few moments. Tune in every weekday morning from 6.30 till 7 for The Bryn Project with your host, Bryn McHenry, who shares her show with interesting guests and topics. Here's just one example of the response we're getting. That's a fantastic new energetic program, and I'm, I'm glad WCHE went that route. And I, I do believe she's got one of the most genuinely energetic and interesting shows. I've only been able to hear it a few times so far, but I, I am confident that's going to stick. That's The Bryn Project every morning at 6.30 on 1520 WCHE, the new voice of Chester County. The Sports Chatter at Chester County is heard every day from 2 to 3 p.m. with your host, Bill Warndale, on WCHE 1520 on the dial or WCHE1520.com. We will bring on players and coaches from today and yesteryear and we'll delve into the sports issue that impact Chester County sports. Remember the Sports Chatter at Chester County with Bill Warndale, heard daily from 2 to 3 on WCHE 1520 AM or WCHE1520.com. Hi, this is Mandy Moore, and you're listening to WCHE Nunn, the lead singer for the group Berlin, who are in town tonight down at the House of Blues in Atlantic City. That concert will start at 8 p.m. You can get tickets at the door. Tomorrow night, you'll be at the World Live Cafe in Philadelphia at 6 p.m. You can still get tickets at the door. I will be there, hopefully front and center, to uh, see one of my favorite performers of all time. Terry, um, that song. Sex IA, uh, difficult song, uh, some controversy to that back when it was released. I remember, I think it was pulled by uh, MTV. <laughs> now, wasn't there some issues there with that? There was some fear factor with that song? Actually, the funny part about MTV yeah. is they pulled it because they didn't like the scene that we had in it that had people eating food. No. We, we decided to do this whole little montage of people eating food very yeah. sensuously, and they said, oh, no, we can't do that. So, so, <laughs> so we had to cut it out of the video. <laughs> that was the reason? Yes. Not because of the words and, and, no. and the beat to it? No, it was the food. For food. <laughs> oh, good God. You know, that's they censored that. Yep. And the garbage that goes out there now because of food. I, I cannot believe that. We've come a long way, baby, haven't oh, we? Oh, God, definitely. There's stuff out there now that uh, that actually freaks me out. I'm an old man at this point. Isn't I get a it amazing? Freak. It I is. mean, this is, I, Shaxima is, 
Well, actually, I'm working right now with the Dust Brothers, John King. Okay. And we're doing we're doing dance stuff because I'm just in a dance mood right now. I want to I want to we're making a an album of music and I'm, I I want to do dance stuff and he's just, you know, back Beastie Boys, Rolling Stones, White Zombie. He just takes electronic music to another level that's inspiring me. And one of his ideas is to remake Sex Ima. He said, because Derek, people don't know that song. The kids don't know that song, but they probably would want to know that song. It's a song that just screams sexuality to it. It it just, it it just, no, it does. It just, it's got such a powerful sexual vibe to it. And I'm curious, how did you come up with that? You wrote that with John Crawford? No, yeah, I mean, John John came up with the with the riff. I came from an honest place at the time. I was having trouble with my boyfriend, uh, who is a great guy. We're still friends to this day, but we were just in a rut uh, with each other in bed. And so I, I was uh, talking to him about maybe trying some role-playing, and he finally said to me one day, he said, he said, you know, Terry, look, I'm I'm not a pirate, and I'm not a burglar, and I'm not, you know, some this or that. I, I'm just that's just I'm I'm just a guy, okay? I'm a man, and that's what I like. I just like basic things, and that's that's me. So so this whole frustrating, you know, conversation experience I put into the song at the time because it was really bugging me, you know. So I was like, okay, well, screw you, you know. I'll I'll be I'll be this, I'll be that, I'll be a blue movie, I'll be I'll be fun, I'll be I'll be I'll be a, a porn star, I'll be you know. I'll, and you're just gonna be a man. The whole song, you're just this boring like man, 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 man. So that's how we wrote it. Interesting because uh, that's kind of how I took the song to be. That again, you're saying uh-huh. I'm a man, I'm a woman. You know, you're this, you're that. You know, you're 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 everything. But he's still being what he is, and that's all he is going to be. Yeah. And that's kind of how I took it. And I remember being about 15, thinking to myself, well, if he's just going to be a man, and that's a problem there for that guy. Well, <laughs> so much more to it. Well, ideas around right now of uh, who's going to be the new man in the song. Oh, I'm actually be interested in. Justin Timberlake, because I think he oh, is. You're kidding me. Oh, my oh, father's he's... sitting next to me, and he's going, no, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I have to say this to you. This is my opinion. Remember the old G.I. Joe dolls back in the 70s? Yeah. Okay, I think Justin Timberlake looks like one of the G.I. Joe dolls. That's <laughs> yeah, just he my... <laughs> does, but he, you know what? He's so funny. Come on. You I saw did. that last Saturday Night Live when he did that song? He did. It's not gay when you're in a three-way. It's okay when you're in a three-way. With the honey in the middle, there's some leeway. It's okay when you're in a one, two, three-way. Tell you what, if you, if you could do me a favor, the future, if you could do it in the future, do a cut of the video, send it to me. <laughs> Okay. Since, since I follow you so much and over the last 30 years, let me take a look at it, and I'll give you the outsider's point of view. Hey, John, <laughs> if you have a computer, you can go to YouTube right now and just, just type in Justin Timberlake, Lady Gaga, okay. SNL. Okay, and my producer's right doing up. it. You can watch it right there. Oh, okay. Yeah, my producer's doing it right now. She'll she'll throw it's it up for so, us. I mean, the guy's funny. Come on. He's funny. <laughs> <My> anyway, <laughs> I know, I know. I, but, I, you know, I just totally got into him now because of what he's done on, on Saturday Night Live. Evidently, all joking aside, evidently he's a very talented man. He can do music. He can do movies. And you've never really heard a negative word about him. 
You, you've yeah, never heard. Yeah, he's a nice guy too. Yeah, and you've never heard any drug. You know, nothing that's negative that would not make you want to, you know, at least, you know, follow him or listen to his music or something. So again, all, all right. joking aside, and what I said, no, the man is very talented. And he so if any of you out there good. know Justin, tell him I'm I'm coming after him. I want him to be the guy in Sex Ima. <laughs> I'll try to get him next on my uh, <laughs> on my show. Wait a second, she's got something. My producer's got something pulled up. Is that Justin Timberlake with the beard? Yeah. And the glasses? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a joke. He's, he's oh, here it is. Okay. Okay. Disco guy. Okay, we got to save that one. That looks like the Laverne and Shirley house. Wait, that looks like the Laverne and Shirley house. Yes. But it's not. They're in New York. Dad, that's New York, right? And that's Andy. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see it. Okay, you save that one. you got to check it out. It's hilarious. Okay, Brendan, save that one for me. With the song, is that, <laughs> is that truly an expression of your sexuality? Yeah, okay, so I mean, I, yeah, I, I kind of like to change it up. Um, it, to me, it's just fun because sex should be fun. It should be, it, of course, it's passionate and it's it's a reason to live and all that, but it should also be a good time and fun and interesting and changed up, you know, for me. Did you and John uh, decide when you were writing the music uh, for the different uh, albums you guys worked on that you were going for a sexual vibe, you were going for that that we're going to go for that sexual feeling and that's what we're going to sell? We were in a sexual vibe, John, and we were 20s. There you okay? go. There you go. I mean, that's all we thought about. That's all we, we wanted. That's all we wrote about. It, it wasn't a have to. It was like, that's, I mean, and what else can you really talk about in your 20s anyway? Because you don't know a whole lot. That's true. You got a point Other there. than that. So, you know, I mean, it was like, okay, let's, let's write a song about, about, sex in a car and let's write a song about sex with your honey and let's write a song about <laughs> masturbation and let's write a song about this and that and the other i mean that's all we we wanted to talk about well help me with something here then i read an article and maybe the article's wrong so that's why i'm going to ask you uh mm -hmm. during an interview you gave a few years ago uh i read that you said you were celibate for a few years there yeah isn't that sad now how can you go from being all sexual to being in, celibate i was celibate in my 20s yeah why because I had this idea at the time that, well, I either want, I want it all or I'm not doing anything. And it was a really dumb idea. I got it after, after a little bit. And then because the band was, you know, working so much, there really wasn't time to, I'm not really a one night stand person and there was no time to develop anything with anyone. So it, I basically ended up alone, which wasn't a good idea either, but that's how it turned out. I finally gave up on the idea and said, okay, let's relax on this a little bit. Now, you uh, you guys, what I consider to be a breakout song before uh, Take My Breath Away was uh, No More Words. came out in 84. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. Great song. I know it climbed uh, fairly high on the charts here in Philly, in, or in, sorry, in the United States. Was that one another one of those songs that you, you were influenced by what was going on around you, or was that just you know kind of snappy and it worked? That was the first song, actually, for us that was a top 40 hit. Yep. And I didn't write the lyric to that. That would be a John question. For me, it, it was always about just not wanting to hear a lot of talk about things. Because that, for me, has been an issue my whole life is, hmm. you know, let's get to it. Because uh, actions speak louder than words, and that's what that song has been. When I sing it, that's what it is for me. I have to relate to a song to be able to sing it. And luckily with John, when he writes lyrics, I really, we just had a simpatico emotional 
relatability that made the music work. So that's what it was for me. And Georgia Moroder, who was this huge producer at the time, Bowie, Blondie, Cat People, Fame, Flash Dance, the guy was just, I mean, we begged him to, to work with us, and, and he was so big and, and expensive, we could afford him for one song. And that's what we gave him, was No More Words. And, and of course, with his brilliant creativity, it became our first our first hit. Yeah, I remember that very well. It was... Uh in the top 40 stations up here in Philadelphia. I grew up in the Jersey Shore, but we, of course, got uh -huh. to Philly stations. And that was pretty big when I was a sophomore in high school. I remember it very, very well. Let's go to the big hit now. Let's go uh -huh. to the one that really puts you guys on the map. And uh, not my favorite song. I like your other stuff, but this is a very powerful type of ballad, in my opinion. You really, really kind of touched the nerve uh, of uh, relationships then. It fit very well, I thought, with Top Gun. Was that were you guys contacted to write a song for the movie, or was this something you'd already written that someone felt would fit well in the movie? Well, your questions lead up to this perfectly because there are two questions you asked that are directly related to this. One is Georgia Moroder was the producer of that song, and we were working with him on No More Words at the time. So he brought in Take My Breath Away and said, you know, the song is going to be in a movie, and they want me to produce it, and what do you think about doing it? So that was the relation there. And then the other thing about, you said, I touched a nerve with people. For me, that was the time when I was celibate. And I sang that song out of lack. I sang that song from a position of longing for a, a romance that would be that amazing. So there's a sadness in the voice that I can still hear to this day because I didn't have it. And I wasn't even close to it. So it was a song from my, my guts, like, oh, this would be so great to have. Luckily, life changed, and, and I, I, I got it into my life, finally. <laughs> you know, but that's no what, one, what it, where it came from. But, Terry, no one on the outside would guess that. Uh, I, would, well, I would have sat there back 20 years ago and thought, God, she's probably got every guy coming at her. She probably has her choice. She's doing this. She's doing that. And you're telling me and telling my audience that you're celibate for four years. And there's men in their 40s right now, and they're probably their 50s and early 30s that are freaking out, going, "Why didn't I know that? How did how did I not know? How did I not hear that?" Broadcast it, John. No, 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 but you're saying the song did it. If we had if we had all really paid attention to the song, like you're saying, we might have been able to read between the lines and figure it out. Did they? Oh, you're sweet. Could have tried. Did um. Did you see the finished product of Top Gun in order to incorporate it into the song, or was it just they took the song and that's where they put it? No, we saw the scene. Okay. They showed us the scene, the love scene that it would be. I mean, it ended up being throughout the movie. I just yeah. watched it with my boys. I've got boys 16 mm -hmm. and 19, and I, watched, they, I showed it to them. It's actually a really good movie. And I couldn't believe how often this song is in the movie. But uh, they actually wanted it for the love scene between... Uh, Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise. Well, it definitely sticks out. There were a lot of songs that stick out. You had uh, Kenny Loggins' song, you know, that sticks out. Uh -huh. But uh, but if you bring up, and I have, I thought to people, and you bring up uh, Top Gun, uh, one of the first uh, comments come out is, uh, the, you know, is the song, you know, Take My Breath Away. And it is a powerful song. Uh, and you had a lot of exposure because it was part of the, uh, the, well, at the time they had tapes more than anything else. But it was part of what was released on that cassette tape that went out all over the world. I mean, 
What was it like all of a sudden to get to get you know bombshell type exposure? It was it was fabulous. I mean, we got to play places that didn't not only didn't know. I mean, there just was no chance of going to a lot of places in the world because they just weren't listening. We were a little bit left of center. You know, we weren't the the mainstream music going on ever, and that put us squarely into the mainstream so that people could hear the rest of our music and we actually had a chance to play to you know, different countries. Well, you guys started doing a lot of concerts. Were you opening for people or you guys were the headliners more often than not? Um, we did both. Mm-hmm. We opened for another band called the Thompson Twins. We opened yeah. for uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Yeah. That was our first arena tour because they were massive. I mean, they were I remember this song. Arena. Oh, yeah, I remember this song real well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, were... that song had a lot of different meanings to it, too, depending on how you took it. You think? Oh, yeah. Just just a tad bit, though. Just a tad bit. Again, I was like, you know, early teen or late teens. So, yes, of course, it had all the different uh, thoughts that I could uh, conjure up at the time. Your, right. your next album, was it uh, Count Three and Pray? Yes. I love that. Oh, thank oh, you. Oh, no, I really do. There's There's a couple really nice songs in there. And, and you know, oh. there's another powerful one, you know, Sex Me, Talk Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I found that, I guess, in, you guys already cut it, but I guess I found it in late 89. I thought there were some tremendous songs there. It, it, you know who you played know. on Sex Me, Talk Me was Ted Nugent. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. We didn't uh-huh. have a, a guitar player at the time, so we invited a bunch of guitar players to come play on the record. Ted was one of them, Ted Nugent. Uh, Elliot Easton from The Cars came in. Uh, Kate Bush's guitar player, what was his name? And David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. Wow. They all came in and did different uh, songs and different solos and different styles, which in a way, I mean, we loved it. We just thought it was great because yeah. we got to work with them, but it, it made the album really kind of disjointed because it didn't sound the same in, from song to song. <laughs> well, that's what I liked. It, to me, it's a lost oh, you treasure. Like that. Oh, it, it, it's okay. a lost treasure. I, I would love to see you put that out on your tour as a you know another CD you would sell. It just... To me, again, I, I liked how it bounced a little bit over here, over there. I think it's a lost treasure. I really do. And I think if you ever well, had a chance, you. if you ever had a thought of re-releasing it, I, I strongly suggest you do it. I think the people today would love it. Thank you. No, I, I, I really do. I really believe that. It's. Uh, I can't say it enough. I think it's a lost treasure. The Well, Bryn's hitting me for a, <laughs> for a commercial break here. Terry, we're going to come back in a few moments, okay? Great. Great. You're listening to John Averly. I run the show Life Unedited. My guest today is Terry Nunn from the group Berlin. Be back in a few moments. Mr. Sticky's delicious homemade sticky buns. You gotta have them to spice up your business meetings, mornings or afternoon. Doesn't matter if you're the boss or even a hungry associate who would just love to see the boss bring in homemade sticky buns like grandma used to make. They're scrumptious. The regional and soon to be world famous Mr. Sticky's sticky buns are now in the Exton Mall on the second floor between Boscoff's and Sears. They have four spectacular varieties 
the tasty regular bun, the sumptuous walnut, the decadent cinnamon with cream cheese, and the fabulous cinnamon with peanut butter. Be the hero of your office by bringing a couple dozen or more to your next meeting or event. It's easy in, easy out. Call Mr. Stickies at 610-524-8100. That's 610-524-8100 by 5 p.m. to place your order, and it will be ready for pickup by 7.30 a.m. the next morning. With a minimum of two dozen. All other orders will be ready by 8.30 a.m. Mr. Stickies will even bring your order right to your car. Just pull up on the second level of the Boscos parking garage by the Macy's entrance or stop by Mr. Sticky's location on the second level of the Exton Mall. Mr. Sticky's also serves Seattle's best coffee and extremely satisfying soups and sandwiches. Mr. Sticky's warning, extremely addictive. When you go, tell them WCHE sent you. Brenda's Vac Shop has the brand new revolutionary Mila vacuum cleaner. Gets every edge, every curve, every corner with easy maneuverability. Now, this is the vacuum cleaner that everyone's waited for because it does it all without any frustration. Brenda's Vac Shop also carries other lines at different prices to fit any budget. Plus, she can easily repair your present vacuum. So call or visit Brenda's now, 41 North Bailey Road in Thorndale, across from Citadel, or the Westchester Store, 135 East Market. Street, call 610-384-6001 or in Westchester, 610-696-6464. Brenda's Back Shop. They sell the best and service the rest. Wish there was a local hardware store that provided friendly, personal service, helping you find exactly what you need? Gets you in and out of the store quickly with prices that meet or beat the big box stores? Well, look no further than Ace Hardware of Westchester. Ace of Westchester is a full-service hardware store that has everything you need for your home or project. Lumber, glass and screening repair, key cutting, small engine repair, an incredible supply of nuts, bolts, and fasteners, and they even carry a complete line of mason jars for canning. Give your home instant curb appeal or brighten a room with Benjamin Moore paint. They also have all the swimming pool supplies you need to keep your pool water crystal clear. And Ace Hardware of Westchester is the exclusive local Ace home of Craftsman Tools. Ace Hardware is on Strasburg Road just past the Daily Local News building and they're open seven days a week for your convenience. Ace and Ace Hardware of Westchester is the helpful place. Hey everybody, I'm Juliana Rancic from E! Entertainment Television, and you are listening to WCHE 1520 AM. Edited. I'm your host, John Averly. Terry, are you there? I am here. Okay. Hey, can I say something yes, to you, please, John? Please. I just love your accent. My, I, I, I have an accent. This is good. Yes. Kind of like the you mafia. Have an accent. Kind of like the I mafia. I love it. To me, the, the accent of guys in your area <laughs> is just the sexiest. It's just like guy. It's man. It's it's. There's nothing feminine about it it's um yeah i'm you know bare bones and my father over it. here is uh, pumping uh, muscles in the air <laughs> you know it's funny you mention that because when i travel for business and uh and, you know if i wear a dark suit or something i've had people come up and go are you like the sopranos is yeah, that what you I are love. i mean I, it's not the mafia thing because i don't like people who kill each other but it's it, there's just this manliness about it that really gets me off i love it thank i just i just have to say that because i i don't think I, my first husband was actually 
from uh, New York. He, he okay. was from Long Island and, and had that similar accent. And there's just such a... I just, they're just, I love it. Well, if we get a chance to meet up tomorrow night, you can tell me again and again, and I'll love it. <laughs> it won't be a problem. My wife will stand right there with me, and, and, and maybe it'll help her go, yes, he has a tremendous accent. Yeah, That's maybe what she'll she say. feels the same way. <laughs> I like to think so after 17 years of being together. I like to think Aww, that, that would be. I, you, know, it's, you know, it's not easy sometimes with relationships. You know that. You sing about them. You've had a few, on, you know, over the years. It, it oh, God, I've been with my guy 13 years. Yeah, go. it's up and down. You know, I don't like the term, though, working at it. I like to always say aspiring to it. Okay. I always, this just just me. I like to say I'm aspiring okay. to do this in a relationship, to make this better, to do that better. It's mm-hmm. it, just to me, psychologically, I feel a little bit, I don't know, better about it to put it in that way. Um, you don't want to have to say it's work. Yeah, yeah, for me, I don't. I don't, I don't want to put it in that context. But I do want to ask, now, after Count Three and Pray, you and John uh, kind of ended the band at that point. Berlin kind mm-hmm. of uh, disbanded. You had a little battle with him there for a while to get the naming rights, didn't you? Well, he really didn't want to continue with it, but he's, you know, he still owned it. And finally, it, it, it fell out. He didn't own it anymore, so I bought it. Okay, so it just kind of ran its course. Yeah, well, yeah, he did, he never renewed it. He never oh, renewed the name. Okay. So I bought it, and that he wasn't happy with that. Because there was a definitely a hierarchy uh, in the band where he was kind of the boss. I, I definitely had a say. It wasn't like I was, you know, a slave. But uh, he ran the show. And when I bought the name, it was even though he wasn't even interested in continuing with Berlin, he was unhappy because he, did, he wasn't the boss anymore. Okay, so it was like kind of like an ego thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean now he's over it. He's you know he's, we're we're good friends, but at the time it was it was a, a change in power. Yeah, and and that was unsettling for him, and it was unsettling to me too. I I never ran it before. It scared the crap out of me. Yeah, I can understand that. All of a sudden, you're kind of thrust into being the leader. It's not what you yeah. normally. It's nothing you know that you've done before. And everyone's looking at Terry now and going, okay, where are we going? What's the plan? What are we doing for the tours? Yeah, yeah, I can understand yeah. that. I can definitely appreciate that. The um, Putting together in the uh, New Berlin, hard? Hard to find the right people to fit with you? It's a, it's a relationship. And, you know, even it, it has been hard to find the right people from the beginning. John and I created the songs, and then for each tour, we would hire people that could make the, you know, make the music happen live. So it, it changed constantly. People think there was one band for the three albums. There was never one band. It, it, every single album had a different lineup of people. There were some that stayed, but then we needed other talents to create things live. So it's always changing. Uh, it's a it's a kind of organic thing. So yeah, it's been difficult, but it's also been worth it. It's fun. A little bit of acting in the past there. I uh, read up on uh, back in the uh, mid to uh, mid mid to late seventies, early eighties. Tell us about Star uh, not Star Trek. Tell us about uh, Star Wars, and you uh, went there for an audition for uh, Princess Leia. Yeah, well, actually, I had been doing television, mm-hmm. one movie at that point, a terrible movie called Thank God It's Friday. So I remember that. Don't, don't subject yourself. Oh, you watched it. Oh, I, I was a kid. I, I was a kid. And you lived? Well, they did a remake. <laughs> of, well, they did do a remake of it with, uh, with uh, I can't think of the Curtis name, uh, the first girl that helped me here, Jamie Lee Curtis. They did a remake of that a few years ago. Wow. Yeah, they did. I remember because yeah. I got young, I, I, you know, I have young kids or had young kids back then, and that's what they watched. 
Yeah. Anyway, so I was doing some work, and so I, I went in to meet this guy named George Lucas, and we, we sat in deck chairs in a warehouse, and he gave me this script to read, and I was sitting across from Harrison Ford, who was also a kid. He's older than me, but he's, we were both kids. And we read this stuff, and he did a, a screen test. And that screen test is now, you can see it online. You can oh. look up Terry Nunn screen test Star Wars, and it'll come up. Huh. But it's also in the Star Wars 25th anniversary DVD. Mm. They, they decided to include screen tests with famous, who are famous people now who actually were up for that part. And I just remember how hilarious it was. I was trying so hard to, to I had no idea what I was saying, right? I mean, it was like, R2-D2, grab the phaser, hurry now. And I'm like, what the hell is an R2-D2 and what's a phaser? I was just lost. And Harrison is just bored. I mean, you got to see the, the, the audition. It's hilarious. I'm like, I look like I'm 12. And he's got his arms crossed and he's just, Bored as hell, couldn't care less about me, and I'm really earnest, trying and trying. And George was great. I mean, he was—he wasn't famous yet. He's huge now, but he was so nice, and he kept bringing me back, and he—and he really helped me in that industry to get known because he—he he liked me for some reason. He liked the work, so he recommended me to a lot of other people, and—and um, and it was great. And then I finally ended up doing uh, doing music. We're talking with Terry uh, Terry Nunn today of the uh, supergroup, in my opinion, the supergroup Berlin. She will be tonight at the House of Blues in Atlantic City, 8 p.m. start. You can get tickets there. Also, tomorrow night in Philadelphia, World Live Cafe, 6 p.m. start. Tickets are available at the door. New CD and DVD collection here. Terry Nunn and Berlin all the way in. Uh, the DVD is uh, kind of neat, kind of pulls everything together, and uh, you look great in the DVD. I think that alone will be a selling point. Um, Thank you. Uh, it should be a problem at all there. Uh, you have a big following in the uh, gay and lesbian community, am I correct? We have been very lucky with that because, honestly, that is some of my favorite concerts to do anywhere. Is the, There are gay pride events all over, the, obviously, mm -hmm. now in pretty much any you know city, in some even small cities now. And honestly, John, it's just the most fun time you can ever have standing up. I mean, it, these people are so outrageous and yet so harmless. There is this combination that's going on, and it is a party. It's just so much fun. And luckily, we keep getting invited to do Pride. So I, I, I'm very fortunate. Yeah. I was telling uh, Gay Ann last year um, when we were talking that uh, there's a place in Philadelphia called the Gaberhood, and there's a mm -hmm. venue there called uh, Club Voyeur. Yeah. And having been in there, that I think would be a perfect place uh, for you to play. Uh, it, yeah. it's, I think it holds maybe 150, 200 people in the bottom floor. Then there's top floors people can lean over and watch you. And, again, I suggested it to Gayanne, and maybe that's something you guys can look into in the future. Again, it's called Club Voyeur. It's in Philadelphia, and they get a lot of pretty good acts. It's right there in the heart of the uh, lesbian uh, gay community. Yeah, if we're yeah. doing an intimate tour, maybe working out some music, we could do that. Now, uh, getting older. As a rock and roll chick, uh, you came in number 11 on the VH1's Top 100 Female Performers of All Time. Uh, 
How do you feel about getting older? How do you feel about keeping your music alive as you uh, move on in life there? So far, everything my mom told me is true. I don't feel older. I know that I... I should feel. <laughs> I just. I don't no. feel much. Um, I don't feel much different either. So. I know. I mean, luckily, I'm healthy, and I'm still passionate about what I do, about music, about life. So, I haven't felt a lot of difference, and I'm really grateful for that. Maybe it will happen, but so far, every decade has been better than the last for right. me. Nice. Are you guys working on any new material upcoming next year or so? Yeah, I told you, the Dust yeah, Brothers are right. king. We're writing music together now and putting together songs. It's a beat. very electronic and very dance-oriented, which is what I'm really interested in now, is using the, you know, what I do in the dance arena. I would be remiss if I did not ask this question. Uh, okay. There was a woman many years ago who looked almost exactly like you. And you mean like Lady Gaga right now? Well, Lady Gaga, actually, you're far more attractive than Lady Gaga. Trust me on that one. It's much more attractive. But there was a woman who looked like you, uh, who actually, I think she posed naked for Penthouse or some magazine, and the the rumor ran around that that was you, and obviously it wasn't, but she was a dead ringer for you. It was me. No, I read it that it wasn't you. Yeah, it was me. Okay, now I feel like a real jackass because everything... (laughs) Everything I read, everything I read, it said it wasn't you. No, it was me. Oh it was very hush-hush at the time because, oh. honestly, it was kind of illegal. They, they shot. I, I did that shoot. Were you 16? I met the guy. Yeah, I, was, oh, uh, I met the guy at a party, and he, he offered the, the, the idea, and I was like, yeah, I want to do that. You know, I was trying to be sexy, and I didn't feel very sexy. I was in my, my teen years, you know, trying to be something. And I thought, that's a good, yeah, I, I, maybe I am hot. And he shot that when I was, let's see, I was 16 when he shot it, and then I was 17 when it came out. Cause it came out about eight months later, and I still wasn't 18 yet. But it wasn't really legal. <laughs> it, it, not illegal at all. I mean, you, you should read on the comments, and it made sense to me. Someone wrote a comment and said, there's no way that could be Terry Nunn. She, that would have made her 16, and that would be illegal. I, I was under the impression from everything I read that that was not you. That was someone who just happened to look a hell of a lot like you. And oh, I, well, thank you. And, <laughs> I, and now you're telling me totally different now. Okay, that, that changes how I view you at this moment. <laughs> Did, didn't expect to hear well, that one. You, you're, you're viewing a lot more. <laughs> yeah, just didn't expect to hear that one. That was, uh, we'll kind of file that away in the back of the mind for the moment. <laughs> a new one for John. Yeah, brand new thing there for me. <laughs> Tell me about your family. I know you've got two, uh, two stepsons. Your husband's an attorney. Yes, uh, I've got 16 and 19-year-old boys yep. and a 6-year-old girl. What's it like to be mommy uh, in particular to a six-year-old girl? It's a reason to live, John. Okay. Do you have kids? Yes, I do. I have uh, All two. Right. Well, two daughters. It's a love affair like I've never had before. You know, it's, mm-hmm. and that is really what drew me more than anything to to being a parent. It wasn't needing to be a parent. It was that kind of relationship that I kept hearing about. Because to me, life is all about love. Love is the whole show, and I wanted to experience that kind of love. And it's. Wow, it's both my husband and I said to each other, you know what? If if a train was coming and it was between you and Natalie, sorry, you know, and and, and we both get it because it, there's just this 
unconditional, no matter what, deep love that is so amazing in, in a relationship. She's just such a kind, smart person, you know, and I don't want to be one of those parents that's just obnoxious about how great my kid is, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's wow, it's uh, the reason to live. I can understand that. I uh very close relationship with both my daughters. My youngest and I, uh, she's four, 13. She's going to the Taylor Swift concert tonight. With, oh, she. I'll tell you, and I'm not going to brag either, but my daughter is uh, already 5'6 at 13, long blonde hair, long legs. Uh, I'm, wow. a little, oh, I'm a little nervous. Plus, plus she can sing. Oh. And she's a tremendous athlete. So, yeah, I have my fears. My father's going, yeah, you should have your fears there, and I do. You're in deep trouble, John. Oh, I, it, it's, well, my oldest is graduating from nursing school next year out here at Drexel University in Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. kind of caught in that gap area there and kind of gearing uh-huh. back. Well, you, you, you'll understand, and you probably do having stepsons already, but it is different when it's a girl. Everything oh, is yeah. different. How you look at it how you wanted to treat her, everything about it's different. I didn't realize how much it would be. My husband can't believe it. I mean, he just, you know, having had only boys, Mm -hmm. he just had no idea that a kid would be so, she's more of a girl than I am. Okay. She is just, I mean, into everything girl. And and I I'm I guess I'm a girl, but I'm I don't know I I work with all guys I I love guys I understand guys and so I don't think I'm a female she's just so feminine and and we're both kind of taken aback by by that you know you know girls oh it's 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 a whole different vibe I I have to be honest about yeah. that I actually read a uh, quote once and I can never figure out where I read it but I read that the only true pure love a man will ever know is the love of his daughter. Because, I think you're right. Yeah, because they I think don't. You're right because yeah. you don't need anything from them. It exactly. is just this. Oh, it's wow. I'm I, I'm so glad that I'm. And it's hard. There's it no question about it. It's the hardest thing I ever did. It, but it it's is. the hardest job you'll ever love. It's true. Uh, you know, my daughter's name McKenna. Uh, we were married at McKenna Point in Hawaii, so that's why she mm-hmm. got named McKenna. And it's it's I, I just the other day she wanted to go play volleyball with her girlfriend and. I, you know, I'm going to drive her. We live in a really nice area, but I feel, I just feel so protective. You know what I mean? I mean, there's no reason to truly worry, but I feel so protective. I don't even want to think about things like that. I'll take care of the situation. I'll drive you. Oh, yeah. She's your heart walking around. Oh, with, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Tell me then about Ordinary Girl. You pick men out of the audience to carry around on your shoulders. We practice a few times. I was terrified I was going to drop you in Baltimore. Because, well, there was, you, get, you remember, you go out into the crowd, yes. and there's people, you know, grabbing at you. And, you know, yeah, some, but you know you what, know. John, they're not grabbing well, at you. Well, maybe grabbing's I mean, not. They're, they're coming up. Yeah, yeah. It, people are good. And yes. that, that, to me, has been one of the greatest gifts of, of playing, performing live, and being in front of so many thousands and thousands of people in, from everywhere. They're, they're all basically the same. People are just good. They're, they're there to connect. They're there to feel. They're there to have party. They're there to have fun. And it's just such a great energy, and that's what they're giving me when I'm out there. And I want to get closer and see into their faces because when you're on stage, you don't really get to see them that well because the lights are all there, and you, you see maybe maybe a few rows if you're lucky, but then you, they're gone. You know, you just don't see what's out there. And so that way, this way, I get to actually get out there and look into some faces and look into some eyes, and they get to look into mine. And 
it's a different experience. Oh, it was a different experience for me, all right. Oh, <laughs> it was. Aww, so it was. For doing that. Oh, it are was you great. Do it tomorrow night? Yeah, yeah, we'll be there tomorrow night. We'll be front and center, my wife and myself. Yeah, so, but are you going to do shoulders with me? If you ask me to, I will be glad to do it again. I would I, love it. I had a great time doing it. There's, uh, someone took photos, I think, that floated out there on the Internet for a while. I think my wife's got a couple pictures, too. I, uh, in my office, I, I had a, uh, not a picture, but I had a, uh, auto, you autographed a CD for me at the last show. And uh-huh. I had that kind of hanging up on a bulletin board in my office. And people come in and go, what's that about? I said, long story. Well, I have to autograph the new CD DVD for you, too. Oh, like, I, I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. What's with the song Ordinary Girl? Are you basically just saying that, you know, this is who you are and, and basically that's it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, 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 you know it, I know it's partly the business, they, you know, to deify people, to, to make us bigger than life. And that's great because it sells records, it sells music, and that's that's all well and good. And it's a it's a more of a publicity thing. It's a it's a the selling ploy. But nobody that does this is is any any different than anybody else. And and um, I I guess that's what I wrote the song about is just like you know what I think and what I fear and what I go through is is this that and the other thing and it's just you know everybody's like yeah. Hey. <laughs> it's uh, just me. And that's all you can ask for. If you're if you're being yourself and you're performing, people will pick up on it and they'll yeah. love it because your following is very strong. Last mm-hmm. question before we leave the show here. What's the future for Terry Nunn? Everything now. I want to know real quick. Besides Berlin, what's your future? The future for me is uh, this new album with the Dust Brothers, John King, and it's, I actually have a talk show like you, John, <laughs> on HotTalkLA.com. It's called Between the Sheets, where I get to interview people that inspire me. That's a lot of fun. I do that every week. Uh, what else? Can I come on? Yes, love it. Are you kidding me? That would be so awesome. It's so much different on internet. You have the. I mean, if I had not had any talent in music, which is just as likely, you know, when Mm -hmm. I tried, I didn't know if I was going to get anywhere. I would have been a DJ. I would have played music that I loved for other people. That's what you do. And I just, I just, I, I love your job. So I would love to interview you. It's, Uh, it's on. We will, uh, we'll work it through your, uh, through your people. I've been in touch with Christina over the last week or so, and we'll work it that way because I would love to come on. I could not have asked for a better interview. I've done a lot of interviews over the last few years, and I have to be somewhat personal with it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it because it was, uh, it was for me. You know, my audience loves oh. it, but it was definitely for me. Thank you for having me on, John. Thanks, it's, Terry. I, you were an absolute pleasure, and I, I, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. Real quick, I want to get it out there again. You are playing at the House of Blues tonight in Atlantic City, 8 p.m. start. The World Live Cafe in Philadelphia tomorrow at 6 p.m. You have a new CD, DVD out, Terry Nunn and Berlin all the way in. Definitely something different with the DVD. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Terry, I'll talk to you tomorrow night again. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. Thank you.